Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Cam, you, uh, you did get a text on the Specs text line that said it's time for you to get your own show. I agree. You need your own show. Cam does shine. That's why I don't have any problem getting letting Cam get on the microphone and talk because Cam knows his stuff and he's a professional. Cam, what what year did we meet? Were you were you doing student media when Charlie Strong was coaching? I was, was Tom it? Herman, but we met at a Tom Herman press conference. Okay, that seems like eh, trust me, Charlie Strong. Charlie Strong's four years and everything Tom Herman pre COVID for me just kind of runs together. Yeah. Like then everything from twenty fourteen to like twenty nineteen, that five year period is all it all I, bleeds together. It was nice of C D C to hire Steve Sarkeesian the year after COVID. Because that makes it easier, I think, for for myself to kind of understand the Tom Herman era. It was like, yeah, it started uh, in 2017, mm-hmm. and it ended when the world went to hell. Yeah. Which is also, coincidentally, is when Texas football was also <laughs> in hell. Uh, got a message from text from Jeff Mudd that Jeff, you promised me a director's cup t-shirt <laughs> for the text that Dan and I never got it. I will take a Dave Campbell's in exchange. Or maybe a Kwame Cavill jersey. Uh, if I... If I had a Kwame Cavill jersey to give you, Jeff Mudd, I would not be giving it to you. That would go on my wall. Man, I've got a bunch of Texas autographed jerseys that I need to get framed, man. I've got Earl Campbell, Deontay Foreman. i got a Malik Jefferson jersey I need to get framed. Uh, my all-time favorite, Longhorn, Casey Hampton. i got a Casey Hampton autographed jersey I need go. to get framed. So, uh, and I, the problem is, Cam, when I do that, not only is framing expensive, I gotta have. I don't think I have the wall space to get all that stuff up. But such is life. It's first world. It's problems. A lot of space. Even just trying to buy. I have a Finch Young signed 2005 National Football National Championship football that he signed. Trying to buy like a football case, like a hundred bucks at Home Goods. Yeah, like, it's. Uh, you need to go to. Uh, you know what? You might need probably to go. just eBay it and find a little yeah, cheap. You might need one. to go see my guys over at Card Traders of Austin because okay. I know they carry Ultra Pro Surprise. I don't know if they got any. Uh, you know what? I'll I'll make a phone call see if they have football cases. If not, I can probably get you one. So just remind me on that. Love to hear that. Um, <laughs> we'll get to Texas football in a second, but Cam, uh, this texter wants to know, in your opinion, who wins a fight, a fight to the death, between Pat Bev and Russell Westbrook? Mm, to the death? Um, I added the to the death part. Okay. I would say Russell Westbrook. He's a little bit taller, a little bit bigger. Um, I think Pat Bev just likes to talk. I think Westbrook actually backs it up. I, I, so I, I would go with Russ. Okay. Russ over Pat Bev in a fight. All right. Uh, speaking of fights, Kelvin Banks looked like he was about ready for a fight during the OU game last year. And as we get back to our most recent insider at Horns 24-7, uh, you can get this on the site. Asking a former uh, Big 12 coach familiar with Texas roster their opinion on the most indispensable players for the Longhorns in 2023. First Longhorn notebook, we cover the defensive side of the ball. Now we'll shift over to offense. Surprise, surprise, Cam. Kelvin Banks is first up. This coach said, quote, just turn on the film. The guy played with the confidence of a junior or senior as a true freshman. Guys like Banks are unicorns. They really are. With young offensive linemen, especially at left tackle, a lot of times 
even with the really good ones, it's paralysis by analysis that slows them down when they first get on the field. Not Banks. He trusted his training from the beginning, didn't take false steps, and clearly did a great job of studying opponent tendencies. The other thing that jumps off the screen is his ability to scale to the second level and how efficient he is when pulling and getting clean shots on defenders in space. Banks made the left guard, be Hayden Connor, a better player last year. He's pushing and elevating everyone in that O-line group with the way he practices and plays. As long as he just keeps taking the next steps, he'll be a first-round pick in the 2025 draft. Pretty good synopsis of where Kelvin Banks is right now. There was times last year you just you didn't worry about Kelvin Banks, and you didn't even remember he was a freshman because he was that consistent. He was that important to the Texas offensive line. A big reason why Texas won, you know, a lot of battles in the trenches was squarely because of Kelvin Banks, mm-hmm. and for him, the him coming back is huge. And you know, it's also kind of easy. It's like what players are most important. Well, probably the ones who might be a first round draft pick the next year. Yeah, and that's Kelvin Banks. Yeah, if you look at the edge rushers Texas faced, you know, Will McDonald went in the first round. Felix Anaduke Ozoma went in the first round. Obviously, Will Anderson, um, Tyree Wilson went in the top ten. The only guy that I remember, Cam, of those four that really had a, a good game against Texas that did anything noteworthy was Tyree Wilson. He had a couple of nice plays. Um, Who was drafted number eight overall, right? Seven or eight, yeah, by the Raiders. Um, but other than that, I mean, for, for Kelvin Banks to play as well, as well as he did against Will Anderson and then three other first-round draft picks, sky's the limit for Kelvin Banks. I also believe the sky is the limit for the second player that this former boy. Big, former Big 12 coach mentioned, the guy that I think the Texas offense needs to revolve around in 2023, the one J.T. Sanders. Quote, no one's talking about how this guy blew it by not choosing to play defense, right? Remember all that talk when Sanders was coming out of Denton Ryan? Oh, he'll make more money. Uh, he'll make more of an impact rushing the passer than playing tight end, a lot of people said. This guy caught the second most passes on the team. I can count probably four drops Sanders had that he's probably still losing sleep over. Those need to go away. But I have Sanders as indispensable more so than Xavier Worthy because, believe it or not, Sanders can do what Worthy does down the field. Sanders will just do it down the seam instead of outside and down the sideline. Sanders creates so many problems for the defense in terms of who matches up on him, and having a quarterback who is a year older and wiser in Sarkeesian's offense should mean even more production for Sanders. His high-point ball skills, I, I think, as good as he was last year, Cam, you've only scratched the surface of what this guy can do. And his impact as a blocker, as much split zone as Texas runs where you're getting that split flow from the tight end and you cut it back the other way, the running back does. Split zone has been a really good run concept for this offense, and a lot of that has to do with the job J.T. Sanders has done emerging as a blocker. You really credit Jeff Banks with not rushing him really cultivating him as a freshman, instilling the basics, getting that baseline established, and then just letting him take off on his own in 2022. And we saw the year that he had uh, set the Texas single-season record for receptions by a tight end. And Cam, he's got a chance, believe it or not, depending on what he does this year, to leave school as the most statistically prolific tight end in school history. And that's that's assuming he doesn't come back as a senior. But J.T. Sanders can have that type of year this year for Texas. He was second on the team in receiving yards, second in touchdown reception, second in catches. That was with an offense that was pretty restricted. Didn't have a lot of other options. Defenses knew they could game plan for, you know, Bijan. They could game plan for Worthy and Sanders, and that was pretty much it, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, 
for me, going into this season, if you stay healthy receiver-wise, you're going to have a lot more options outside of Worthy, who will actually be healthy, hopefully. Nayer, Jay Witt's coming back. You, you've added a couple of big freshmen, A.D. Mitchell. So there's more weapons, more players defenses have to game plan around, right? And I think it's going to open it up a little bit more for J.T. Sanders. And if it doesn't, it's going to open up things more for the other guys who are going to benefit from this. So it's going to be, a, I think, a huge year for J.T. Sanders. I'm with you on that. As mentioned in that piece, the drops, you know, he had a couple couple tough drops, right? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about the one against TCU. TCU yeah, yep. I think it was mm-hmm. back-to-back plays with Worthy and Sanders, both with a pair of drops. It just made you that's, – that's when I think I knew the Texas was going to lose that game. Was it they, one against Baylor, too, that he had? I want to say it was the Baylor game. Yeah. Okay. I remember there was one, too. Uh, the other thing that – and I know I, I did a, a pretty big in-depth story on, on just JT season and his emergence during the leading up to the bowl game. And when I talked to him in San Antonio – I don't know the one thing he said he was really going to work on this offseason was being better after the catch. He said the thing that really annoyed him the most is how much meat he left on the bone in terms of yards after the catch, and safeties should not be able to bring him down one-on-one in the open field. He really wanted to work on that this offseason. We'll see. If he can if he can add that to his game, that's really, Cam, honestly, the, the one thing he's missing is the after-the-catch ability. That's what separates him right now from a guy like Brock Bowers. Like, you see Brock Bowers catch the ball in the open field. He's getting yards after the catch. Yeah. He'll he'll bowl over safeties. He'll go around guys. He'll go through guys. Uh, he's got speed to pull away from linebackers. That's the one thing JT needs to add to his game, I think, to take himself to the next level. Um, I mentioned Brock Bowers. How about Brock Bowers' former teammate as the third most indispensable player on offense this is not in any kind of order, but again, this is the former Big 12 coach talking to Horns 24-7 about the most indispensable players they feel are on the Texas roster this year. Uh, A.D. Mitchell came up as a, as a wide receiver. Uh, said Mitchell's probably not the receiver most would expect to have as Texas' indispensable wideout uh, when worthy uh, is still on the roster. But, quote, Mitchell is every bit as fast and explosive in and out of his breaks as Worthy, and Mitchell is six foot four, way stronger than you think, and goes after 50-50 balls and makes contested catches like his life depends on it. Go check out his catches in the college football playoff against Alabama two years ago and the game winner in the final minute against Ohio State in the semifinals this past season. Those are NFL-caliber catches. Put me down as someone who thinks Mitchell will lead Texas in receiving and will likely have wow. double-digit touchdown catches as long as he remains healthy and on the field. Then he'll probably go pro and be a first-round pick, end quote. Very, very high praise from this anonymous coach on what they think about A.D. Mitchell. No kidding. Leading the team in receiving yards and touchdowns. I mean, he's a guy that he scored in every single college football playoff game, right, for Georgia. Mm-hmm. That's a stat. You know, you could say it means nothing, but I think it means a lot. He's a guy that will rise to the occasion, but also literally rise because he's such a big dude. We saw that one-handed grab in the spring game, a little mm-hmm. bit of a preview. And, you know, the point I made about JT Sanders is the more weapons you have, the more easier it will be on Quinn Ewers and the more it will open up things on offense, right? Instead of just having one or two guys you can throw to. You know, Mitchell, when you think about Texas offensively, like, He's not, he's not the first one that comes to your mind. You know, you're still kind of processing, okay, well, Sanders and Worthy are the two guys. There's still A.D. Mitchell right there who's going to have a huge role in this offense. And as a Texas fan, yeah. I'm excited to see, you know, how Sark schemes up this offense because it could be really special if all the right pieces fall into place. Yeah, we also forget about Isaiah Nayer. And, like, we were talking at this time last year, uh, you know, about the kind of impact that he could have. Especially coming off the spring game, 
and you know, you, you looked at his profile, Cam, like you start, you know, uh, we, we talked about it on a long one blitz. You pulled up his PFF profile and you look at things like contested catch rate, mm-hmm. you know, average depth of target, start breaking down those numbers. The profile was a lot like Gabriel Davis. Now with the Bills, who's one of Josh Allen's top targets, that profile was really, really similar. Uh, he was one of the best in the country in terms of average depth of target. A really, really good uh, contested catch right down the field. Um, a lot of his passes were caught down the field, and you know you add that dynamic now with Ad Mitchell and a healthy Xavier Worthy. And oh, by the way, we forget Jordan Whittington's back too. You can make the argument, and I've seen this in some of these preseason publications that are coming out now. You can make the argument that Texas has one of the best receiver rooms in the country. You can. It should be. And it should be. The way you've recruited, not just the high school ranks, but the way you've recruited through the portal, everything you've got on this team right now, you should have one of the best receiver rooms and in the country. And there's still Jonte Cook, uh, Ryan Niblett. DeAndre Moore. DeAndre Moore. There's a, there's a lot of Casey guys. Casey Kane's still around. Casey Kane's still there. There's a, there's a lot of... Savion Red, who he might be running back. Uh, he'll, he'll be a running back, yeah, but he'll be in that, that, he, that, hybrid, that hybrid role with... Uh, Trey Wisner will be in that role. You'll see Keelan Robinson in that role. Uh, that that I'm I'm interested to see how much, especially with the transitional year running back, how much that role expands. And speaking of running back, Cam, this coach mentioned a fourth Longhorn on offense. It's Jonathan Brooks. Quote, I think Brooks is really good, the coach said. And I'm reading this again from the insider at Horns 24-7. You can go to the site right now and check that out. Quote, I really liked him coming out of high school, and I like him even more now because every time he's on the field, he's productive. It's possible for guys with plus talent to maybe have a doubt or two creep in when you have to wait your turn behind guys like B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson, but that's not who Brooks is. He's really confident in his abilities, and I don't get the sense that the moment is too big for him. I know Texas had a really talented running back room. I, or has a really talented running back room, excuse me. I just get the sense Brooks is further along right now and all the nuances needed to be a plus back from pressing the hole and picking up the blitz to catching the football. Me listing Brooks as an indispensable guy for this team may surprise some people, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think Brooks is going to surprise some people this season. I think we talked about this yesterday, Cam. I think Sark's 1,000-yard back who will probably catch as many pa- – I think this is Sark's 1,000-yard back who will probably catch as many passes – as Bijan caught last season. That was 19. Maybe it's the coach in me, but I think, but if I think my team is making a title run, I want the talented guy who's had to wait his turn and now really appreciates his opportunity. There should be a determined hunger in Brooks that will set him apart. That's why I said yesterday, if Texas is going to have a 1,000-yard back, I think Jonathan Brooks is going to get every opportunity to be that guy. He's someone that I want to see healthy because I watched him in high school at Hallettsville in the playoffs, when he was literally carrying four defenders on his shoulders in route to a 200-yard game in multiple touchdowns, it was very. It was the the role he played on his high school team very J.K. Dobbins like. Yeah, if you go back to J.K., it was it would have been his junior year at Lagrange because he was hurt for pretty much his whole senior year. Yeah, very J.K. Dobbins like. But in this different type of players, but you get what I'm saying. Like did, did everything. I, I'm not sure if I'm the, the level of indispensable because I do think Texas has the running back depth there that's been built by Stan Drayton and now this, this hard choice with Cedric Baxter, with Jaden Blue. You know, we mentioned Red, Trey Weisner. So, I don't know what indispensable is where I'm at with yeah. Brooks, but I do think if he can stay healthy, he will be the best burning back on this team. You think about the one thing I think, and, and Tashard Choice is taking it 
to uh, you know he's keeping it going and taking it to another level with the types of running backs he's recruiting with C.J. Baxter in the 23 cycle and now Jarrett Gibson in 24. I mean, you think about where the running back room was when Stan Drayton got to Texas. And, you know. It was dreadful. Yeah. And you think dreadful. about, yeah, you think about the job that he's done uh, to really rebuild that room. Uh, you know, it was, gosh, twenty seventeen. It would have been that would have been Kyle Porter, the end of Chris Warren, Danny Young as a true freshman. I mean, it was it was slim pickings. Cam, I think Danny Young was your leading was rusher. Great? I think Danny Young was your leading rusher at running back that year with, yeah, like three hundred and something yards, maybe. I mean, it was it was it was bad. It was really bad. But then you know you you get Keontae Ingram, you get. Trey Watson out of the portal, you know, you you you, you thought your 2019 running back was going to be Darian Brown, who unfortunately never played. Then you thought it was going to be Jordan Whittington. It just so happened Roshan Johnson was your running back take out of the 2019 class. Then you get Bijan, and now you're off and running. But, man, that running back room, it's it's really hard to think, Cam, go back six years ago and think about where that thing was to where it is now. This was, this was the running back group in oh, 2017. Oh, run, run it down for me. And and think about this and compare it to where we're at right is it, now. Is this before or after Chris Warren moved to tight end? This is, I believe, after. Okay. Kirk Johnson, who who was hurt, didn't play, never played. Right. Tony L. Carter uh, had fumble problems and ended up transferring. Danny Young, both by the way, Carter and Young, freshmen. Yes. Oh, uh, one walk on, two walk on. Actually, that's it. The rest were uh, practice squad guys. So you had three, three scholarship running backs. Two were freshmen. One Jim was a Kyle, sophomore. Jim Kyle Porter in there. And Kyle Porter, yes. Sorry. So he was a sophomore too. So yeah, sorry, you had four. You had four scholarship running backs. Two true freshmen, a true sophomore. And coming in out of twenty sixteen, which was Deontay Foreman. I mean, none of those guys had more than what fifty carries, twenty five yeah. carries after twenty sixteen. So talk about the lack of experience. Now, of course, you could make the same argument for this year's team, but I feel a lot more confident in the running back group in 2023 than I do yeah. in 2017. Gosh, I, I, man, I would hope so, Cam. Good yeah, Lord. CB, it was Sam Ellinger who was a leading rusher. Yeah. Danny Young was your leading rusher from the backfield. I think I think Danny Young, I think it was like three, I'll say like 370-something, or what does Sam have, like 385, I think. I want to say that was closer. I'll look it up during the break, but, man, that staff just, I mean, they the, the previous staff just, they, they botched the J.K. Dobbins recruitment. I mean, they really found lightning in a bottle with Deontay Foreman. Yeah, they had Chris Warren, but, you know, I saw some tweets from Chris this morning. Uh, yeah, I've known Chris for a while now, and he was talking about, man, something to the effect of his college career wasn't near what it probably should have been. Uh, oh, you always got that Texas Tech game, Cam. Remember that Texas Tech game from oh, Warren yeah. in 2015? Going for 276 and four scores uh, on Thanksgiving night against the Red Raiders. But I digress. 